I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to our Everything is Better with Creators Beyond Disability series. I'm Ashley Rudder. And in this series, we're on a mission to change the way people view and define disability. I will interview top C-talent creators and global thought leaders from across the disabled community to start difficult conversations, to raise awareness, and acknowledge the lives of disabled people. Now. Let's get these conversations started. On this episode, we're speaking with CEO and founder of Diversability, Tiffany Yu. Named by the Wall Street Journal as one of the 100 most influential Asian Americans, Tiffany holds numerous leadership roles in the disabled community, is a three-time TEDx speaker, content creator of the Anti-Ableism series on TikTok, and today we're going to be talking with Tiffany on disability advocacy, content creation, online communities, and its impact on the disabled community. Another incredible episode is coming your way, listeners. Tiffany, you is here. How are you, Tiffany? Doing well. How are you? I am so good. I'm so good. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for blocking out some time in your schedule to speak with us. Um, I would just love to dive in and have you share with our listeners exactly about your background and what was your what was shaping and forming your mind before you became a content creator and how did you end up being a content creator that you are today? Sure. So I'll start by saying I feel like I became a content creator accidentally, which maybe is a, a storyline you've heard a lot. But um, I totally. would call myself a disability advocate first. And about 25 years ago, I became disabled as a result of a car accident where my dad also ended up passing away. And so with the emergence of different platforms like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, I started just posting a little bit more about that journey of exploring what it meant to be disabled and live well. Um, and then probably mm. circa 2019 or so, I got my first paid brand deal. And over the last couple of years, I've realized that being a creator is actually a viable way that you can create a career for yourself. Incredible, incredible. I, I mean, I love, again, the democratization of element of social and that it has given everyone an opportunity to speak on and and shed light on 
topics of, of, of interest and especially around advocacy, I think it's like one of the best places to do so because, um, again, like there's there's a chance for the shareability to really get out there. So let's talk about, you said, like, I want to dive into what you were just talking about, which is, um, like you said, being disabled and living well. What does that actually mean to you? Like, how would you define that? Yeah. So um, I, uh, so one of my arms is paralyzed and I also live with a mental health disability, post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. And I grew up believing, I'm the daughter of Asian immigrants. I grew up believing that you know, I was broken or that I needed to be fixed mm. and that living well or being well and being disabled were mutually exclusive. And now most of my brand and most of what I'm exploring now on this latest personal journey is we can actually be disabled and be successful and be disabled and thrive. And can I use my social channels to be able to showcase what little snippets of my own life look like and help model that for other people? I love it. I love it. I think that, again, like I've been ever since C-Talent, I became aware of C-Talent. I have been learning so, so much and it's becoming even more aware to me of, like you were talking about, just like a, a, a topic such as, you know, those things of living well and being disabled, being mutually exclusive. And those are important things for us to think about. Um, I would love to know how um, has your disability affected your content creation process and um, what do you, what are things that you wish to see in the future? Mm. Uh, so I would say as someone who has what's known as like an upper extremity disability, meaning that it affects not only my dexterity, but how I use my hands, you know, I think that the assumption with content creating was that you know, an example could be like when someone's doing an unboxing. And so I have learned, you know, and I talk about this a lot within the disability community is like, we are expert life hackers. Um, and so I have learned to like stabilize the phone in between my knees while I'm doing an unboxing, while most people would ho hold their phone with one hand and then do the unboxing with their other. Um, and so I think for me, the creator journey is mainly about fun. Um, and so when I look back at the ways I've had to life hack in terms of creating content, sometimes I'm like a little bit impressed with myself and I'm like patting myself, patting myself on the back to be like, I can't believe I did that. Um, and so I, I, I think I just want to remind people that like, yes, creating content can create a viable career for you, but I also don't want us to forget that, you know, creating there, there is art and there is fun in that creative process of thinking through what's the best way to deliver this message. You know, there are so many different apps available. I feel like I like started with Instagram filters back in the day and then mm -hmm. moved over to Visco uh, and now use Lightroom with editing. And now, now nice. short form video is kind of like the thing. Right. Um, and so for me, it's like, okay, let me think about how can I display this visually or take advantage of like stickers and GIFs to put on the different content. And, and one other thing I'll share based on the last thing you said is I think that, you know, when we're recording this during Disability Pride Month in July is so much of the time or historically, many of us have understood disability to be a shameful experience. And part of the reason why my content creation journey is around living well, and there's all this talk about, you know, what is Disability Pride and what does it look like is in is to kind of like combat that single narrative that being disabled can only be a shameful experience. And when you say that 
it's only shameful. It kind of dehumanizes the entire community that we can only fit into a single narrative. I think that that's an incredibly strong uh, narrative and, and thing that needs to be discussed, Tiffany. And again, I think that there's just, when you talk about disability and what you were just saying, um, I think that overall people aren't thinking in that way of like, how are we perceiving? Are we, again, like, is, is, are things equally accessible? Are you, um, again, like these narratives seem like it's just like any other group or marginalized community. It's really just like everyone's living their life. Uh, and yes, there are things that are going on there, but everyday life is, is still a part of a topic of discussion. And there's so much incredible content and storylines that come from the disability community that I just think, again, should be elevated. And now that it's uh, been brought forth to me even more clearly, I've just been discovering so much magic on social and so much important information out there and so much fun, like you said, fun and entertainment and create and creativity within the community. It's so, so, so good. So let's, I always like to get if you don't mind, because I know that, again, advocacy is like a big part of what you uh, create content around. But what are questions or a question that you wish that people would stop asking? So the thing about advocacy is there are so many different angles at which you can approach advocacy. So I will say that when I showed up on TikTok two years ago, because I knew it was a short form video platform, I was like, why don't I create a video series on how I navigate daily life activities with one arm? Um, but if you look on Instagram, I'm not really posting content like that. So probably, you know, the, the question that I get asked the most is, can it be unparalyzed or can mm -hmm. it be fixed? Um, and that question in itself isn't, is curiosity, mm -hmm. right? But when I'm asked mm -hmm. it, if a video goes viral, you know, if I get asked it a hundred times, that ends up becoming a microaggression, which ends up becoming a macroaggression that reinforces to me that, you know, and, and it's all the variations of this. Oh, it's no. the, what's wrong with your hand? Can it be unparalyzed? Can you fix it? You know, I've gotten comments where people are like, you should just cut it off. It's useless. Um, and, um, and, and while that's like, I think to your listeners, that would be like surprising. I'm pretty yes. sure that that curiosity is there, right? So it's, how can we also create a level of intimacy and ask mm -hmm. questions in a way that don't reinforce harmful narratives, right? Because if we say, can it be fixed? There's an right. assumption that there is fixing that needs to happen. When we say what's wrong with it, we're making an assumption that there's something wrong about a person's body. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say that part of my own creator journey mm. has been realizing you know, I've been disabled for 25 years. So I started getting these questions 23 years after I started showing up on video. And even after two, two plus decades of living with a paralyzed arm, by getting the, the waterfall or the deluge of these questions, mm -hmm. I started to wonder like, wait, is something wrong with my body? And I actually came to the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually came to the right. conclusion that, um, if my body wasn't supposed to be this way, the universe wouldn't have made it this way, right? Um, and I'm fortunate where I don't have what's called the dynamic disability where, you know, 25 years ago, my arm was paralyzed. And luckily, I don't have any lingering pain, which I know a, a lot of people who have my injury have. But, um, but yeah, but 25 years later, it's still it's still almost almost in the same condition that it was 25 years ago. That's so interesting. Again, but I think that that 
just goes into, like you said, everyone has a unique experience and like uh, what you're exactly what you're just saying is that you cannot, it's not a monolith. No community is a monolith. You need to approach things with, with kindness and with respect. And I think that's so, so, so important. And so like with that being said, so let's, let's talk about Sea Talent and exactly what is it that Sea Talent, how did that narrative start with you? How did you discover Sea Talent and how have they helped um, bring in uh, different conversations for you to consider in terms of growing your brand? So one thing I should mention is that I'm what's called like a part-time creator in that I, I have other, other places where I generate income. I also do some public speaking. I also mm -hmm. run uh, an advocacy organization called Diversibility. And so Keely, who is the founder of Sea Talent, had kind of been in my circles. I had gotten to know her work because she had, I think, won a grant from Aerie or, or a couple grants as she was getting her business off the ground. Uh, I got to know her a little bit more deeply through Clubhouse, maybe about a year and a half ago, I would hear her in different mm. rooms. And interestingly enough, maybe about a year ago, I reached out to her and I said, hey, Keely, I'm looking for some support with the content creator slash influencer side of my business. Right now, I'm just getting a lot of inbounds. Emails are getting lost in the, in the cracks. Um, and it'd be really great if I could have some support as someone to help manage this. And at the time, I had only really understood C Talent to be more in the entertainment space of, you know, actors and actresses mm, and musicians okay. and models, which, uh, which I'm I'm not in. Um, and then Keely responded, she's like, "This is exactly what we do. Like, let's hop on a call." So we, so yeah, so we hopped on a call maybe about nine months ago, or I've been working with C Talent for about nine nine months now, um, and and it's been really helpful. I mean, I think that. I have a couple intersectional identities, right? So I'm a disabled Asian woman. Mm -hmm. And I have found that knowing how to talk about and pitch disability talent is a really important skill to have that C Talent knows how to do so intimately and does it so well. Yes, they are. They're incredible. And when we, uh, when it was announced that Whaler was bringing C Talent in I just like what an incredible acquisition because because of not only the the access to this incredible talent pool also the the consulting piece of it is that you know we learn so much every day about like you were saying just like language how you know understanding all of all of the many facets of making something accessible from you know easy to read versions and visibility pieces to um how uh, we just even ask uh, about ability and what we need to be doing for accessibility requirements for just inviting someone onto the podcast. And so these are such wonderful conversations to be having uh, just to make sure that everything is level set and everyone's set up for success. So again, I, I love the Sea Talent was there for you in that. And that again, that you also found a place there for your unique uh, situation. Like you said, you weren't necessarily classically entertainment, but yeah, social is in there and there's so much uh, there's so much to be communicated and had in terms of running a business with that. So I'm so glad that you have them as a partner. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And what about what about working with brands? What can you share with me? What has been like some of the joys that you've had? And um, if you could share anything that surprised you or uh, that you would like to share in any anecdotes, let us know. Yeah, um, working with brands. I mean, I think I think when I I didn't start tracking that I was actually a content creator who was was like bringing in real dollars until last year. And I think I always felt a little bit embarrassed to tell people that I was a content creator. And then if you mm-hmm. look at, you know, I've been part of TikTok's creator program, uh, one through Twitter, and then also one through LinkedIn, awesome. is all of these platforms are heavily investing in creators. And so I wanted to highlight that Yes, brand deals are great, but there are other ways to monetize as well. So you can be part of paid creator programs like the ones I just mentioned. Uh, you can also, I think some of the platforms pay by, by view. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've learned as what I call like a creative entrepreneur is that it's okay to have multiple streams of, of income of where you're collecting revenue. So even as a creator, you can get creative about where you're collecting revenue. So maybe you have a merch store or maybe you offer a course or you do coaching and other stuff like that. So um, I don't know if there's anything that's necessarily surprised me, but I think that there could be a little bit more education about terminology and, you know, how to review contracts in a way. And, and that's where, you know, Whaler and Sea Talent end up stepping in and, and provide a lot of value um, is that like, Again, I came into the space accidentally. I get a contract and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i not sure what these different words or these different terms end up meeting, meaning. And it's been super helpful to have, you know, my talent manager at C Talent to be able to review those and, and redline them and, and, you know, keep me out of the chain so that I can focus on what I like doing best, which is creating content. I love it. So I was because I'm nosy, um, Tiffany, and I always love pointed feedback because I feel like that's the only way you can really evolve is if you, you know, have really pointed and distinct feedback. And so what is some like, where does this play a place specifically where you would love to see evolve in terms of working with a platform, working with a brand that you would love to see enhanced or do better or and then I would also love to know if someone ever has knocked your socks off in terms of accessibility and you were just like, whoa, that's a game changer. If everyone, like this is my banner moment, uh, my North Star on like, this is exactly how you should be doing it. Um, I would love to know that too. Let's think. Um, I would say access access is a very personal thing, right? So access for me looks very different. Like if someone is asking me to add captions to a piece of content that's like five or 10 minutes long, 
was going to take me a little bit more time, right? Because I navigate using a com- computer with only one hand. Mm-hmm. So, so for my specific disabilities, you know, I, I, I think I have felt very comfortable vocalizing like what my needs are and what the timeline needs to look like in order mm-hmm. for me to get content produced. I don't want to, you know, I think that oftentimes we're asked like what brands are doing it right or who's doing it right. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that the unemployment rate for disabled people has remained relatively unchanged since 1991, you know, which is over 30 years ago. So Interesting. I don't want to say that any of us are really winning right now, but the mm-hmm. fact that the creator economy is helping to democratize access to paid deals, and this is, you know, specifically what C-Talent focuses on, mm-hmm. is huge. So as I look to what the next phase of my advocacy looks like, I often talk about, you know, what does disability-centered economic justice really look like, mm-hmm. right? Can we get disabled creators making enough through brand deals or through all of their different avenues as a creator that they can create, they can do this full-time if they want to? Um, so so I know that didn't really that. answer your question. No. I was like a little it bit does. It does. It did. It, <laughs> no, it's not though, Tiffany, because I'm definitely not here to, um, you know, like I wanted this always to be based in reality. And like you were saying, like it may not like just, even though it, something could be done better, that's great. But it, obviously we still, we're still get you're, we're still getting there. We're still um, in the process of creating, like you said, these, um, the awareness, the vernacular, the understanding, the approach, and just like how, again, in, in so many marginalized communities, it's like, you know, we're starting with awareness of the issue and then we can start getting into um the the diversity and then the equity and then the inclusivity of it all and like see it as a funnel of of process and change as we get there and so i'm happy to have you say like this is ashley this is where it is (laughs) and 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 i'll also share you know i i have shared this publicly but my first brand deal in 2019 was like a combo of Instagram and Twitter. And I think I got paid $5,000 total for, you know, a couple of tweets and, you know, an in-feed Instagram post and a couple of stories. And at the time I only had 5,000 Instagram followers, but the client that I was working with understood that my audience is super niche. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's always a big question around like, how much should I charge? What should I charge? And I, and I literally had people sliding my DMs asking like, how much should I charge? And, and it's, it's hard to go back to them with a number. Right. And so for me in 2019, I just threw, I just threw a number. I had a small following, but it was very active. It was very Mm -hmm. engaged. Um, and even, I don't know, three years later, I would still consider probably to some of the other talent on C talents roster, even whalers roster. I'm, I'm probably still pretty small, but it still is very niche and it's still very active. Right. And so mm-hmm. as you think for other creators who are listening, as you're thinking through your own pricing, it's not necessarily like benchmarking yourself around, uh, with someone else who has a similar following, but looking at like, what's the type of content you're posting, who is your audience and what is, what do they look like? And even using platforms like Clara is one that I use, which they call themselves like the glass door for mm-hmm. creators, mm-hmm. where sometimes if I have a brand reaching out, and it's below what I would usually charge. I'll look on Clara to see, oh, this is in line with what what they've what they've usually paid creators in the past. Um, but for me, last thing I'll say is that mm-hmm. as a part time creator, I 
I do feel like I have a little bit more privilege to be able to say no to a deal if it isn't in line with, you know, the pricing that I'm looking for or the type of content that I have the capacity to create. So, so I just wanted to name that as well. It's so, so good because I, I completely agree and I see it across the board, you know, with the work that I do at Whaler as the head of creators, equity is the biggest piece. And like you're saying, an active community and niche community has so much value because the passion runs really, really high and the loyalty runs really, really high. And so I think that, you know, if you are bringing that, if you're bringing the engagement, you're bringing niche or you're bringing a, a true community onto a campaign, like there's so much value that you're bringing. And so never, ever, ever underestimate that piece of it. And so uh, I think that, wow, you, you learned that right out of the gate, which is so, so good. And I'm glad to hear that you're, you're seeing the pay equity that needs to be there and that, you know, things like, uh, you know, like the, the glass door of, of social and influencer is there because it is needed because, you know, again, it has been so mystical, the, the benchmarks for pay. So I'm so glad that you decided to like make that a touch point to speak on because it's huge and brands need to know that they really, really need to know that. Like what advice would you give any new um, disabled content creators out there in terms of, like I said, from either from topics to getting started to going about your business? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would say um, back in the clubhouse days a year a year and a half ago, I remember I used to be part of like a, a branding office hours that would happen every Sunday with someone named Rachel B. Lee. She, she calls herself the branding lady boss. And the number of questions that we would get from people who would say, I just launched my account. How do I get paid? Mm. And one of the things I want people to remember is that none of this is happening overnight. Like I've had my Instagram channel for maybe actually this year, I think marks 10 years and I wow. didn't get my first mm -hmm. paid brand deal until 2019. Right. So it took seven years of me building my audience, posting consistently. Um, and so I would say, and it, it's hard because I have a lot of people reaching out being like, I really want to get into social media advocacy. How do I get started? And my response for them is like, just start. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's actually why I like TikTok as a platform because TikTok to me, at least my content there is like a variety show of Tiffany's life. Like yesterday, I was reflecting on a conversation that I had with another disabled content creator named Paula Car Caroso. And she was talking about how the PR space has been become really democratized by social media. So in a way, like our social media channels become our press, like we're creating our own press if no one's paying attention, right? And yes. I think as a disability community, we have spent a long time not being paid attention to by some of these mainstream mm -hmm. outlets, but now we have power or we're starting to realize that we have power and influence as our social media channels become, become bigger and continue to grow. So, uh, all of that to say is that authenticity is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. So I understand that uh, I am a little bit awkward and I lean into that because that's like who I am and I'm introverted. So if you invite me to like your housewarming, I might not show up and, and that's okay, right? And true, so like, true. how can we, how can we show the fullest embodiment of who we are on social media. And I also try not to like sugarcoat things. So I, I really want, sometimes I want to like show people the behind the scenes. So, so yeah, so sorry. So just start authenticity is the name of the game. And number three, I will also say like, make sure you have a support system in place 
away from social media because it can impact your health. You know, I remember there was a period of time where I was checking those analytics way too much. I was posting something and seeing how many people were watching it. And now I'm just like, I'm posting this because I'm posting this for me. Um, and again, I want to put an asterisk in that, you know, I have built my following. I think it's around 170,000 now across all the different platforms. So because okay. people know who I am, I'm just like, okay. I'm just like post posting all, all the stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think those are my three. Cause one of the, uh, the la that last one on the mental health side is I get asked a lot how we can help preserve our mental health with this, you know, this hustle culture that we're in to just continue to post. Um, and I think for me, making sure that I have, or I feel like I have a colorful life outside of a screen mm. is, is how I'm able to maintain that balance. That's so perfectly stated. I, I can't, I couldn't agree anymore. I think that's fantastic advice because, and, and I mean, come on, what would we do without TikTok? It lowered the barrier of entry so much for us and let us know that we could, like you said, we could show up with every facet of our true self and let, um, let it all, let it all hang out <laughs> and not be worried about the editing. Cause when I tell you that is so stressful. <laughs> it, it is no. And the fascinating thing is just brands are paying attention. You know, there was like a viral trend of an account of a woman who was making like 1999 versions of companies logos and she made one right. of TikTok and TikTok updated theirs and then all these companies you know verified company accounts were like commenting being like us next us next um so so, so brands are paying attention and i think also trying to figure out how do we get onto TikTok so if you've built your following there you know you can be a helpful bridge for for them onto there as well. But I know vid video is is scary for a lot of people. And believe it or not, I'm not the biggest fan of the sound of my voice, but I remind myself that the message is more important than how, you know, me being self-conscious of the way I look or the way I sound. Totally, totally. And boy, have you leaned into your purpose, Tiffany? And I think, and I love that that is, you know, something that you that you stated earlier is that you know that this is a part of your journey and a part of your purpose and I, I like we really see you shining out there and everything that you have to say is just so incredible like don't stop Tiffany don't stop it's so good and I'm loving your your cross-functional um division of like who you are on each platform I think again like you've just dropped a lot of gems here that I think that people can really learn from in terms of a brand perspective and from a creator perspective on how you view creators and of course creators with disability. And I'm just like, so I'm just pumped. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your insight. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Everything is Better with Creators Beyond Disability series. To listen to more episodes, check out Everything is Better with Creators on all podcast channels. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.